The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections, and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. I'm John, also known as Hi There, Catsuit, and it's great to have you along with us. I've just finished teaching classes at Kinky College with special thanks to Bad Beast and Dating Kinky's own N.J. Cole, who you can hear on Flipping the Switch on Dating Kinky. They both welcomed me into the sold-out convention and let me do my thing. It was so incredible to be able to share my thoughts with such a group of beautiful kinksters. If we met, please reach out on social media and connect with me, as I don't want to lose that beautiful feeling. This week, I am in Minneapolis visiting two of our guests, Jean Bardot and Amanda Wildfire. I'll tell you the story of those encounters next week on the show. This week, we meet one of the most famous fetish models in the world, who started in Europe and crossed the globe to make the fetish world hers to own. Fetish producer, model, director, and now studio executive. She went from a submissive bondage model to adult film star shooting lesbian porn to dominatrix doing her own personal sessions and directing fetish scenes. And now she starts her new chapter as the head of studio relations for Clips for Sale, empowering producers on how to be successful themselves. With more than 20 years in the business, Anastasia Pierce has a great story to tell. And she shares it all right here on What Women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. First time you set foot in a studio to do a photo shoot and your emotions going through it. Oh, that's a long time ago. Uh, first of all, hello, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. And my first time setting foot in a studio was when I met Ken Marcus at one adult convention at the time I was just camming and I met him there through a friend and he said I'm a photo fetish photographer come to my studio in Hollywood on Melrose we did 
And I walked in and my eyes opened up when I saw all these fun things. And there were these chains hanging from the ceiling. And I said to him, can I try this? And 10 minutes later, I was naked, hanging by my ankles, <laughs> bouncing back and forth. And then they tie me on top of it. And they started spanking me. And I was having the time of my life. It was the first time ever. And it sparked something inside of me that is unexplicable, but it just felt like home. <laughs> Speaking of home, first mm -hmm. time you set foot in the United States and your emotions. First time I set foot in the United States was Thanksgiving 1995. I came from Switzerland, which is where I come from. And I was hired for six months as an intern in a Swiss firm. And they didn't know, they didn't tell me that I was going to arrive on one of the only uh, uh, holiday days in the U.S. And mm. it was Thanksgiving. So I arrived at LAX, which is huge. And that's the busiest day of the year for travel. I was a lost little damsel at LAX. But I found my way to San Diego and I was very excited. And after 14 hours of flight, I thought it would be great to go eat something. And it was Thanksgiving and everything was closed. <laughs> but it didn't matter. I was so excited to be there. And uh, I found the Denny's and I had breakfast for dinner. And I thought it was unbelievable to be able to do that. <laughs> it was exciting and scary. <laughs> First time you ever performed with a co-star in a scene and how you felt sharing the screen. Oh, I always was with someone at the beginning. I performed solo much later on. So for me, sharing the screen... Um, was exciting and these people who were with me on screen were sort of mentoring me and guiding me so I was looking up to them and just following their guidance and it was again exciting to do something new and uh, I happened to be very famous dominatrix with who I did my first scenes I was hired as uh, an extra for a movie and it was very hot, hot day. It was lots of latex and pony girl shoes. Can you imagine on the first day of shooting fetish, pony girl shoes and latex and uh, bits in the mouth and plumes on the head and <laughs> shackles. <laughs> and then they say, oh, would you like to do a BDSM scene with Mistress Isabella Sinclair? Wow. I didn't know who she was. And... She put a hood on my head and she started to warm me up with her flogger. And then she took a cane. It became very intense, very sexy. And I didn't know that this existed. I didn't know if I could take it, but they were so excited. They said, you're coming back tomorrow for more, right? <laughs> First time I shared. The screen was a co-star. It was a very famous dominatrix. Yes. That's amazing. First time you ever set foot on Gord's property for the House of Gord 
and what kind of contraption did he put you in? Oh, you know, I don't remember the first thing he put me in. Oh, maybe, maybe. Okay. Uh, he knew I could do reverse prayer very well, very comfortably, uh, which is a bondage position that not everybody can do. I'm not very good with my elbows together, but I can reverse them. And he had seen me, I think, use uh, ballet shoes before. So he said, okay, you can do this. You're comfortable with this. Let's do this. And it was all outdoors up in Seattle. At the time, he had a cute lake on his property. And I remember being tied up behind his truck in a reverse prayer, hopping <laughs> behind the truck as he was going forward. And it was pretty intense. I had a hood on my head, the Gwendolyn hood. I probably had a ball gag in there too, in my mouth. It was, it was great. But everybody was checking on me. It just, it was a complete different type of bondage I had never experienced before. And I had talked with Mr. Gordon many times and I knew he was an engineer, a crazy, mad genius. I really wanted to try his stuff. I went back for about a dozen of shoots. And every time we did like four or five scenes and every time it was just unbelievable. And I'm going to tell you, the worst thing that happened with Gord, which nobody would ever think it is. So he shrink wrapped me in mummified me and he put me in a silo that went up in the ceiling and I was in there with a fly. And that was the worst thing is I was stuck up in the ceiling with this very annoying fly that, of course, I couldn't move because I was mummified except for my face. <laughs> and I think I was up there for a good 30, 40 minutes, just me and the fly. <laughs> oh, wow. Completely, you know, like just up there in the ceiling, gone. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun, <laughs> but that was the worst experience I had with him. <laughs> everything else was awesome. It was pretty amazing to see everything, but to know that you were up there with a fly. Oh my gosh. I don't think I'll ever see those pictures the same way again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did all kinds of stuff. He used me as a printing press. That was super fun. Uh, what else have I done? Oh my gosh. I, I know you got to swing around in a in a Darleks uh, hobble dress, which he loved to do to yeah. use as well. Those things are amazing. We'll talk a little bit more about those a little later. Final question of the first five. Mm -hmm. First time you looked in the mirror and said, I am finally where I want to be. I don't know if it's ever happened. I'm so ambitious and I'm never satisfied. <laughs> I don't ever think I, I've done what, everything I want to do. So I've never told myself, wow, this is it. But every time I shoot and every time I wear something spectacular, I look in the mirror and I'm like, wow, I am so lucky to be this person today. And I enjoy every minute of being that person that day. And when we return on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, 
We'll talk about some of the people Anastasia Pierce has been, a career that steps back so many years, but we're going to take a look not only into the past, but into the future when we return. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. Hi folks, Key Barrett here, and I've got a question for you. Do you think your wife or girlfriend makes the best decisions and you want to support her any way you can? Ladies, do you think your partner works best when they're told exactly what you want? You both might be looking for a female-led relationship. From mild to wild, these strong relationships have one thing in common. Satisfaction. Read Surrender Submit Server on Audible, Kindle, and Paperback today to start your female-led journey. And good luck. Throughout the years of my career, people have always kind of defaulted as treating me like a victim. And I have kind of equated it to the character I created, Jewel Marceau, the damsel in distress. And I wonder if that hasn't just leaked over into people's minds that Jewel Marceau is this damsel in distress and she just always needs to be rescued and she's so helpless and oh poor her. And this is another uh, reason as to why I have wanted to become a dominatrix. Raw emotions, honest truth from the icon, Mistress Jewel Marceau. April 5th on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Welcome back to the program, joined by Anastasia Pierce, who has been a fetish model for some of your favorite sites. And when I say your favorite sites, I think it would be easier to talk about the ones that you haven't been on than the ones that you have. (laughs) I've done a lot of them. I have really played every role that there is to play in fetish scenes. I started as a bottom 
and I work my way up to the top. <laughs> I switch in between depending who I'm with, but I have really tried all, all types of fetishes. It's been fun. Because you have done that, does it give you a greater appreciation for all the things that go into making good fetish material? Absolutely. Absolutely. I know the work that goes into it. I know the love that goes into it. I know when somebody is a bottom and going through a hard BDSM scene, I know what it feels like. I have loved doing that. I have loved pushing limits. I have loved discovering what I could and could not do, what turns me on, what doesn't work. Physically, there came a point I couldn't do it anymore. Hmm. Same with bondage. Love to be tied up. But physically, there come a point where it becomes just more difficult. So it's great to just accept that this part of the journey is over or I have to do it less often. Mm -hmm. But there are so many amazing sides and uh, subjects that still needs to be explored that I'm, I'm, I'm still excited and thrilled to see what, uh, what is next. <laughs> well, before we figure out what's next, let's go back to the beginning, 1999, when you were doing some webcam shows and online chats. What was your reasoning for going into that in the first place? Because not a lot of people wake up in the middle of the night and go, I think I'm going to start webcamming. <laughs> it's not something that naturally pops into your mind. What was it that led you to that place? Well, I grew up in uh, what I would call rural Switzerland, a small town in a mountain. And I, just like many performers you've had on the show, never felt like I fitted in. I knew I had dreams that were bigger than what I could found in my town. So as soon as I graduated from college, I decided, okay, it's time to go explore the world. My parents took me on many trips as a kid, mostly in Europe. So I was comfortable with the idea of traveling and being somewhere where people didn't speak the same language. So as soon as I could, I arranged it in a way to where I could make a living and take care of myself in a different country. And that's what I did. In 1995, uh, I moved to the U.S. with two suitcases. One of them I still have as a reminder of this is where I started. And I worked in corporation for several years. And it just wasn't enough. But I explored in my free time. I started going to golf club. I met people that were more open-minded. I started cruising the internet. It was really the beginning of mm -hmm. websites. I saw, I bought a lot of magazines, fetish magazines like Skin2 and Marquee and looked at fetish photography. And I was always very attracted to the visual I just didn't know at that time you could do this. I thought it was just art and it was there. I didn't know people did that for a living. Mm -hmm. And then the person I was with told me, oh, you know, they're doing webcams. They're doing web shows now online. Maybe you want to do that because I know you like, you're a little bit of an exhibitionist and want to have fun. And I did. I, I, I signed in. I started talking to people and. At first, it was very much open chat rooms. And then I saw that there were networks you could do your own private shows. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And for me, it was a discovery into the psyche of people. It was this just eye-opening private time. And I did a lot of talking, a lot more talking than taking off my clothes. <laughs> because people were fascinating to me, fascinating. This man who was stealing his aunt's pantyhose and loved the smell of it and the feel of it at work. I'm just like, never heard that in my life. Or this person who wanted to be a damsel in distress and tied up and left out in a desert or, you know, and these were secrets that were told to me in private that probably their partners didn't know. Mm-hmm. And it got me sucked in so much. And I love the webcam in for that reason. It was this personal time with complete stranger. And because they were strangers, because I was a stranger, mm-hmm. they would share. And I, I loved it so much. I did that for a very long time. Um, after work. And then they came one day, I thought, you know, what am I doing going to this corporation? They made me work on New Year's Eve 2000. I was doing data control for ATMs at midnight, you know, Y2K. Like, this is ridiculous. I can always go back to a normal job. Let's give it a shot. And then that's how I started doing this more full time. And looking for other avenues and little by little it got me actual where I wanted to be which was in fetish world but I didn't get there first I just got there because I wanted to be there the connection is something that so many people especially when they look at the BDSM world don't necessarily understand That it's not about the impact. It's not about the bondage. It's not about the tight clothes. What really brings you back is feeling that you belong and having that connection with someone. And that's exactly what you described in talking to these strangers, Mm -hmm. because suddenly you had something that you could associate with them and can help them with. And that probably was so rewarding for you. It really was. It was the feeling that it gave me inside. It really made it feel special. And yes, I'm very sexual, but it's not what turns me on. It's I need more. I need fantasy. I need escape to this everyday world. Just like the people who would talk to me, just like the people who would watch my movie. I have the same feelings. I need that fantasy world where everything is perfect and beautiful. Do I sleep in catsuit, leather, uh, latex catsuit? No. Do I love to wear them? Absolutely. You know, it's just you become someone else when you fall into that world. And it's so gratifying to know you're not the only one, that other people appreciate that. So it has been like a goal of mine to make people feel good about what I'm doing and, you know, and I've only tried to shoot things that really mean something to me. I put a lot of thought and effort into everything I do because I want it to be genuine and real. And again, I'm sharing something special. So I want it to be special. Time, I mean, I have worked on certain movies. It, it would take me four days just to, put, to do special effects, you know, just because I liked it. I wanted to do it. it it's... It's, there are things I wanted to do. I did a, 
uh, Leia parody movie, Princess Leia. And I wanted to do the where the walls retract and crush mm-hmm. little by little. So I had to build that by myself, <laughs> dig it up, <laughs> and then edit it and go to many locations so where it would look like a whole project. I've always wished that the budget were, were bigger for our genre. I have work with what was available to me, mm-hmm. but oh my God, it's been just so fun. And I know people like it. And, uh, you know, that's, that's really what's rewarding is that, that shared feeling, that, feel, that shared journey. It's, it's really amazing. And if I wasn't doing what I'm doing, I'd be watching what I'm doing. <laughs> when you picked up those Skin 2 and Marquee magazines and visualized what it would be like to be in those outfits or be in those scenarios, what was it like to finally get in one? Oh, that was amazing. And that's really what got me hooked was after us, uh, I did my first video. The producer was Gwen Media, Bob Zach, who unfortunately is no longer with us. And he was a latex fetishist himself. He started in this business because of his love of latex. He opened a latex store and then it wasn't enough. So he started producing latex movies. And we were so lucky. He had all the connection, all the friends in this business. We were wearing the latest fashion, custom-made stuff. I mean, it was unbelievable. And uh, I, I went to Europe. I went to the Skin to Party. I went to the Market Party. And, you know, just the, the love of fashion. It's unbelievable when it comes to latex. It really is the love of fashion. Like to get things after we we everybody who's doing this is spending way too much money on their clothes <laughs> i'm guilty too but it's because it really means something to us like wow we can get this unbelievable uh, unique creation made our fantasies can come to life i had an inflatable train made what else have i had i mean hats that matches dresses you know gloves and still to this day i'm like i can't wait until my next outfit <laughs> looking back do you have a favorite outfit that you looked at and went i love seeing myself in this and then i'm going to ask the follow up of have you had an outfit that being in it was the most surreal experience you've had? I still have the first corset I ever bought, which was a a leather corset, which I bought in San Diego in a Gothic club. I still have it. I can still wear it. So that's special to me because it was my first garment. Um, Latex, unfortunately, doesn't last. So I've had favorites that I wore many many times i have favorite pictures of me in them they no longer exist though. um certain things really made me feel special because they were tailored so well they were you know they're like high fashion they're like what you see on runways in paris and i think that's why i felt they were so unique because they're built for you yeah, because they were built for me, for some fashion shows I did, for some movies I did. 
and you know we all build differently and everybody's beautiful dressed up i don't care what size you are how short tall big skinny if you can find the right clothes for you to make you feel good that's all that matters and i've had to adapt of course our body changes but um Now there's just amazing people who understand and will make you really, really special things. Yeah. I have mentioned on this program, and obviously with a name like Hi There Catsuit, you think about catsuits quite a bit. Of course. But I've always talked about the fact that wearing a catsuit to me has always been the most wonderful mindfulness exercise. For me, catsuits are the most comfortable piece of clothing there is. Really? When it comes to, to fetish clothing, they are the best. I can spend the whole day in a catsuit. I can spend a convention in a catsuit. I can shoot in a catsuit. It's my go-to. <laughs> I am a dress girl. I like mm-hmm. dresses. But a catsuit is amazing. And going back to Gord, he had this mesh transparent catsuit. He liked to cover people completely, but mm-hmm. you could still see the body, the form. The... And I love these mesh catsuits. They're just so sexy. But again, I like leather. I like mm-hmm. latex. I like vinyl. I, I won't stick to one thing. There's too many good things in all of them. I have to give a shout out to someone that I worked with back in Seattle, Tanya Winter, who made those cat suits that you all were in. Yeah, She has such a mate. This is actually, uh, you can't see it because this is audio only, but the cat suit I'm wearing today is a uh, winter fetish cat suit. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I had done some videos uh, showing off some of her products and she was nice enough to give me a couple of cat suits for doing that. So uh, I've always loved them. Gwen Media was one of those media companies that really changed the way the perspective of fetish could be mm-hmm. in that it wasn't so much about guys getting off. It was about presenting oh. women in a beautiful art form mm-hmm. and showing the connection between them and the sheer beauty of the art to create the ambiance rather than just well let's just simply have two people have sex no it wasn't very sexual there was it was all about feeling again and we changed into a lot of outfit on screen and 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 shined ourselves we did actually a lot of uh, hood scenes uh sensory deprivation it was for me as the performer going through it was unbelievable because it just takes you in a different universe. Uh, visually, it doesn't do it as much as feeling wise. Mm-hmm. So I understand somebody who goes see a mistress and goes through this type of sessions because it's unbel- it, it's like being underwater or in space. It just immediately takes you somewhere else. And then everything feels a thousand percent enhance any sort of touch any whisper just everything mm-hmm. is completely different so but they again Gwen Media for me was innovative in the sense that there were no other company doing this at the time it was made by somebody who loved it I met the most amazing people working there I'm still friend with all of them after the owner passed we continue shooting movies because we loved it so much <laughs> 
it was amazing. And uh, I mean, it, it was a, it was a chapter in my life. It's not there anymore. Uh, but God, did I love every single minute of it? Yeah. You also got to perform, and I'm going to totally admit I'm going to be a fanboy at this point. <laughs> you got to perform with Jim Weathers doing his O oh Girl series, I which did. is my favorite piece of video ever. Do you know How I did quicksand with him too? I got to sync completely. <laughs> I have heard that. And to me, what Jim provides his viewers and also the contraptions he comes up for you all i am always amazed by it tell me what it was like to be on the set with that amazing cast and with jim basically pulling the strings for this uh, amazing compendium of uh, dire straits and tune in tomorrow yeah so jim is amazing bondage rigor like one of the best in the world definitely he has a very particular look that he goes for special wardrobe special rope special set he just has his style and i i have always been a fan of his style his bondage is tough for me though <laughs> i have to admit it for some people they can do it more easily than i do for me it's always been a challenge but i just love it so much i was so happy to be part of it and his big production, like the old girl uh, movies or scenes, uh, there were a lot of planning, tons and tons of planning. And everybody had a role, everybody had to look a certain part, everybody had a script, you had to know ahead of time. Uh, lots of force orgasm, which every girl in the world likes. <laughs> but no, it's always been so amazing. And uh, again, there's a handful of fetish producer, in my opinion, who have stood out. And uh, we're talking about many of them today. And Jim still is doing amazing things. He called me, like he calls me twice a week. <laughs> and I call him back twice a week. But uh, he was again working on a special project. And oh my God, you wouldn't believe what I'm dealing with. And I, the love that goes into those scenes, the preparation, the hours, that's one thing people don't understand. When you are a business owner in a fetish industry, you do everything. You take the trash out, you build a set, you send, you know, when there were movies, we would make the packages ourselves. You answer the email, you put your makeup on. I mean, there's like a thousand tasks, a thousand tasks. And we end up working with the same people very often because we trust them. They know they're reliable. They're good at what they do. They love what they do. It becomes this fetish family that we love to surround ourselves with. And uh, we're lucky to do that. We really are. But again, so much goes into it. So, so, so much. And the appreciation of that, we've talked about you working with all these different people, but you have had this amazing body of work yourself that you have put together that is Anastasia Pierce on the top marquee. And it is indeed your <laughs> vision and your work. 
<laughs> what's the best Jesus. part of, of basically saying being the movie mogul there and being able to determine all that sort of stuff is it fun or is it just a lot of work it's been a lot of work but they are my pet projects <laughs> and um, I worked for the best companies pretty much right away and everybody everybody had aspects I like and Unfortunately for me, I like too many things. So I had to put a little bit of everything in my movies that I found left and right. I did produce, I, I, I wish I could show you a pair. I don't think I can. There's like 200, at least two, 300 movies up there with, uh, yeah, they're all movies are produced wow. and um, directed and you know did the box covers and replicated and I mean there's so much <laughs> aspect to it but no I, I I I like working with women I am straight in my life I've always been in love with one single man which is my private time but on film I love women I love the way they look they feel they make me feel I think it's more visually attractive for me for my taste so I have solely worked with women and um, yeah just coming up with the next scenario getting excited about putting it together it's it's just fun it's a it, it, it's a lifestyle it's a hobby it's a <laughs> all these little movies are my babies <laughs> and part of the original premise of this show was how different the mindset of men and women are, especially when it comes to connecting with each other. And the first time I started talking about fetish movies, I started talking about how different it would be if women were the ones calling the shots. And Very the more different. and more I've gone on, I realized the women are calling the shots and are trying to create I guess a more mindful type of video that's just not problem solution or in real crass terms, idea getting off. Mm -hmm. At the it's beginning, more... when I started, the only women producer that I knew of was Lorelei. Mm -hmm. Everybody else were men, everybody else. And I don't think anybody else was doing their own series but then you know opportunity presented themselves i always pay attention ask a lot of questions people were passionate about what they did so they're happy to share you know how they did things and i knew i was going to do this long long term i mean there was no question in my mind and i wanted to not struggle so I, I've always considered it, you know, as a career, like I get up early in the morning, I make a list of what I need to do today and I get it done. And if I have to work on Saturday or Sunday, I just do it. It's the way it is. I organize myself. I make plans. I make business plans all the time. And that's one thing I'm trying to teach the newcomers or the people who are just not good at it. It's like you can get organized better to make your work easier and, you know, strategize and, uh, of course, again, stay in your niche, do what you love, but you know, there are trends there. Every, everything is forever changing. You have to, you have to adapt yourself with the new trends and 
by doing that, I've just been able to keep on going. I, I, at some point, I went to Hustler, to Larry Flint's office. I got so lucky. I got to meet Larry Flint. I got to meet Hugh Efner. I got to meet like <laughs> all these people who, who were pioneer of this business. You know, I got to go to the Playboy Mansion. I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. And uh, when I went to Hustler, they had a taboo line of um, magazines, which actually I did shoot for several times. And they just started their video line. And I asked the owner, like, can I, can I be one of your producers? Would you give me a chance? And he see, he, you know, I had to send some samples again, nothing comes along. Like you have to do the work. You have to, you have to prove yourself mm -hmm. to get to the next, like nothing falls on your lap. You have to really actually do the work. And I, I showed them my samples and they loved it. They reviewed my movies for the magazine and little by little, they earned trust and they gave me, you know, a lot of money to, to produce some scenes, but there was a lot of requirement. And it was fun because I got to shoot things I wouldn't shoot for me since they were doing more hardcore. Mm -hmm. It was different, but it was fun because it was still my project, but not something I wanted to promote later on. I was happy to just produce it and hand it over. What is the biggest difference in the approach of a woman producer versus a man producer? Um, I only do what I would want to be done to me. <laughs> you know, because I have been in every role, I treat people the way I want to be treated. I, um, I try to dress people to think it's flattering for them. I always have always, always asked people what their limits are. And I've had bad experience myself to where people have not respected my limits. Mm -hmm. I have actually, I, I never did groping on film, um, like in bondage and being groped. And it happened to me one day that after a few scenes, the producer decided that now that I was tied up and gagged, it was time to grope me. So I simply stopped moving and he knew something was wrong and we stopped and he said, what's going on? And I say, I, I never consented to this. You know it, we talked about it before and you crossed a, a boundary. So I said, you're gonna erase what we just shot right now. And I stood next to him I made him erase it. I took the camera in my hand. I made sure it was gone. And I said, and now we're done for the day because you have just lost my trust. And this is our last shoot ever. It makes me sad, but that it, that's the way it has to be. Like you, no matter what role you have when you're shooting, you are always in control of what you're okay or not okay to do. And it's okay to sever ties if people don't respect you. And again, uh, all the people who have worked with me, I've always said, okay, are you okay with nipple clamps? What kind of nipple clamps? Are you okay with this? Is this ball gag too big for your mouth? Is this gonna hurt you after? Like, it's okay to adapt yourself. You can still find plenty to do within the limits of, and, and everybody's different and that's what's beautiful every time you're going to get something different. And when we return on what women and other wonderful humans want, we're going to talk about the future for Anastasia Pierce and why all of what you've just heard is so important to the days coming ahead when we come back. 
Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom but had no idea where to start? Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports, no, not the jet ski kind, and you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. Realizing that you're polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. The Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating, such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works, real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. This is Tanya Tate. And have you listened to my podcast? Tanya Tate presents MILFs Making Money. I share a whole lot of positivity, tips and tools on how myself and other women in the adult industry make money on premium social media platforms. If you want to hear me interview many different guests, then get yourself over there, milfsmakingmoney.com. And you can also search my name, Milfs Making Money, on all of your usual podcast platforms. And if you enjoyed listening to What Women Want podcast, make sure you get yourself over and subscribe to my podcast, milfsmakingmoney.com. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please... Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky, joined by Anastasia Pierce, and it is an absolute joy having you with us. Thank you so much. I'm having a wonderful time as well. Thank you. We talked about all the things that you have done leading up to this moment in time. And what is so special about this particular moment in time is you are moving on to a new chapter in your life, basically helping the people that need a lot of help right now. And that is people who produce fetish content who literally don't know what hammer is going to come down from what ceiling, whether it's a MasterCard or whether it's a, uh, a producer that doesn't quite know what they're doing or whatever, you are going to get an opportunity to help everybody. And that's amazing. Oh, thank you. I am trying to get everybody who does that uh, to give them success. I'm trying to take away all the roadblocks they might encounter because there's a lot of roadblocks. I'm trying to help them get motivated, give them the right advice to do what they do, the way they love to do it. 
I want people to do it their way. Absolutely. Everybody has their vision. Everybody has their interest. Everybody has their niche. And I respect that 100%. Even if it doesn't fall into my style, my taste, it's perfectly fine. As long as it's consensual, it has to be consensual. That is so huge to me. And I'm not going to go there, but I have met people who were in this business not consensually. Mm-hmm. And that is something I, I really an advocate for, like only do it if you want to do it. And again, do the subject that are comfortable to you because you're going to live with those feelings inside of your heart and brain for the rest of your life. So you want to make sure that it's okay to try new things, but they are things you want to try for yourself. And I'm so lucky to be at a place now where I get to help my favorite people. (laughs) So tell me how you and Clips for Sale came together. Yeah. So I've been a producer on my own, but also on Clips for Sale and different platforms for many, many years. Clips for Sale was always part of FetishCon, which is probably my favorite. It is my favorite event, fetish event every year. And uh, the owners of Clips for Sale started this incredible platform where people could post all their fetish movies and sell them to an audience. And it was great because it was the only place that was doing video, like on demand, like downloads without a membership. So at the beginning, they're really like, you know, innovators of their genre. And it was always about fetish. It still is about fetish. And in the future, it still will be about fetish. And I appreciate that, that they're staying authentic to their image and their belief. And uh, of course, I encourage everybody to put their stuff there because it has worked for me. I've made a beautiful living. I've had a great life doing it. So I want to share my journey and my knowledge with them so they can do the same thing for themselves, but the smart way. So since there are so many roadblocks now, there's compliance problem. They are, you know, just... Overall, there's a lot, there's fraud, there's, I mean, there's a lot of, lot of things that were not there before. Um, I'm working with the team behind the scene, everybody who's the bouncers and the security. (laughs) And I'm, I'm helping out the studios with communication and onboarding and training and coaching and any any aspect we're still defining a lot of my role mm-hmm. but um we're starting i just had my first webinar with the studio to introduce myself and let them know that they can reach out to me for anything they need whether it's by calling me emailing me uh, i mean there's a lot of way or dming me on twitter or I mean, there's four or five ways to get a a hold of me. And then I will, if it's not something that regards me directly, I will point them in the right direction to the people who can help them. And on the other hand, I am helping, and I'm starting actually next week, a webinar for onboarding, which will be holding the hands of new producers and showing them how to do things that will work best for their brand. 
and showing them how to use things because not everybody is computer savvy. Not everybody has this type of knowledge. And I don't want this to be something that stops them from producing. And then later on, I want to teach people how to develop their brand, make better previews. For me, the visual is the packaging of your movie. And you really have to find your style and you have to spend time using the right words, the right imagery. You have to build your own marketing campaigns. You have to advertise on an ongoing basis if you want to be successful. If it's just a hobby and just want to do some kink stuff, you can do it like this as well. There's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with it. But if you want to do a, make a living at it and you want to be there in 20 something years like I am... <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, you have some serious work to do <laughs> and I want to help you because there's no instruction manual everything I've learned has been you know uh, sometimes a lot of errors that costed me a lot of time and money and I wish somebody would have guided me in the right direction and helped me uh, so no matter where you are in the world I'm now here to help you <laughs> reach out and the amazing thing is by having someone like you who has been in the business, has experienced all the highs and the lows and the challenges and the things that work really well, you have that experience that they can draw from, number one. And number two, you have the ability to network the right people with the right people. Yeah. And I think that that is going to be one of the biggest things that you'll be able to contribute mm -hmm. where if a person who has a certain skill in one thing mm -hmm. can help somebody who lacks that skill that mm -hmm. you can actually bring together and create this amazing networking possibility as well. Oh, absolutely. And I've been doing it for a long time, you know, and we, we are kind with each other, the producers, the models, we are kind with each other. We tell each other, work with this person, this person is great for you. They like to do the kind of things you like. Don't work with this person, this person is not gonna respect you. Or this person is gonna take advantage and you know not pay you for the time or, or, or one thing or another. Mm -hmm. Or they're not reliable, because that happens too. You know? So, and both ways, producers and models. So I have naturally been doing that. I, I tell my friends, I tell everybody I know, you know, work with this person, you're going to love her or tell that model, work with this producer, you're going to like it both ways, because we are a big family. I really see it that way. There's nothing better than um, doing projects together. It's even more fun. Shooting solo is okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, because it's all the attention is on you. But it's way more fun when it's shared. And uh I hope to be able to, yeah, exactly, guide people who belong together. I hope to also be able to tell people these are things that, you know, new trends or um, new, new models coming on the market or, you know, there's a new event that maybe people should check out or, I don't know, just new categories that they should explore. So I'm, I'm hoping to be able to help in many, many, many ways. Let's go back on a little bit of a journey with you. What do you think is the biggest difference between when you first started and now, other than the obvious that obviously there's an internet, 
But what is the thing that you have learned along the way that has been your number one thing that you always go back to? So when I first started, there were not many people doing it. So there were there was more money in it because there were less people doing it, but it was a lot less accessible. So that's the plus and minuses of back then. Today, it, if you have a phone, you can start being a producer. That that was not possible. Like you wouldn't believe the amount of money I'd spend on cameras and and lighting equipment sitting in my garage. <laughs> Don't mm-hmm. come and rob me. <laughs> it's worth nothing. <laughs> Oh, I but, remember buying a, an $8,000 Betacam tape deck. Yeah, yeah. And I gave I, it away. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, it's, it was crazy. Just everything, all the tools you needed to be able to produce. So today it's way more accessible. Mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, the doors are open more easily as well. Like it's more accepted to be kinky it's less of a weird thing. It's much more cool. (laughs) Thank God. But uh, I think what the challenge is today is that there's too much of it in the sense that you really have to be special to stand out. And I want, I want to tell the new people that like, you know, if you do it well, people will love it for like forever. I have fans who have been watching my movies since day one. They're still, we have a relationship. We talk online. So I, I really encourage everybody to build this relationship with their partners on film, producers, model, content creator of, of any kind, but also with their audience because this journey, we're going to share it all together. And People who find you and like what you do, they will continue watching you, your stuff as long as you, you know, stay true again to yourself and to your brand. And yeah, I mean, put a little extra effort. It's, it's worth it. It really will make you stand out. You, you, you have to be a little bit of a workaholic to do a good job because... <laughs> If you're just doing the bare minimum, it's not going to happen. I'm sorry. (laughs) And you mentioned something that's extremely important when you started uh, your previous answer. And that is anyone with a phone can be a producer. Now, yeah, it's amazing. It's important to note, however, that knowing what button to push, when to push it, the angle that you need to take the time to edit, the time to use a dissolve as opposed to using a cut, Mm -hmm. the type of open you want, the way you want to present yourself. Mm -hmm. That's what makes a producer, not just somebody who holds a camera up. No, and the background and the lighting, you know, it's all of these elements, your wardrobe, the way you talk, the way you stand, like just your posture is going to make the whole difference and so you really have to do a little bit of research you have to have a plan for me i always tell people shoot doesn't start the day of the shoot it starts the day before like have your script in place have your paperwork printed have your wardrobe clean and ready and line up have your sets clean and vacuumed have i mean all these make sure that 
your camera is charged, make sure that you have, you know, working lights. Because if, if you exhaust yourself the day of the shoot by preparing all these things, you're not going to have the same kind of energy to shoot good things. You need to save your energy to <laughs> shoot good things. So prepare the day before, it's worth it. And uh, yeah, you still have to, you, you, you still need, you know, a, a certain amount of good lighting. Some, you, you have to clean your bedroom if you're going to clean, if you're going to shoot in your bedroom. <laughs> I mean, that's not really a secret. <laughs> you have to present yourself nicely. You know, everybody has a different look. People like me as a brunette and they're not happy I'm a blonde. Uh, but you have, again, do what makes you happy. Mm -hmm. And if that's the image you want to have, have it understand that if you change your look you change your brand so those are all elements you have to 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 like to think about and also if you start shooting with a certain standard people are going to expect the standard you know they're going to be disappointed if, if you start cutting corners of course but you also cannot make i mean it's very rare that a producer can only make special projects so Pick your favorites and put the time, love, and effort onto those favorites. But uh, yeah, it's really, I mean, it's amazing that anybody can do it today. And I know I, I said all the time, you're never too big, you're never too old, you're never too, you know, it's it's really for everyone. And every fetish is available too. Anastasia, you sound like you are writing the book. <laughs> on how to do this <laughs> oh my goodness if only i could write <laughs> i wrote a children's book once for real <laughs> but well, that's as far as it goes don't think it's as impossible as you may imagine it being because when you think of all the information that you have compiled through the years mm -hmm. the things you know off the top of your head the way you can share them with others you're going to get to do it as the head of studio relations for clips for sale and yeah, now it makes me happy you know it's like that's that's the first step in that journey is i get to help other people well those who wants of course nobody's obligated but everybody's invited and uh yeah, I hope there will be more mentors, more, more, you know, people willing to share because it is beautiful and it's wonderful that other people get to do this again. Yes. I'm going to visualize something for you. I think we're going to be talking two years from now and you'll say, John, remember when you told me to write that book? <laughs> I just have a hunch. <laughs> Sending you love. <laughs> I'm a visualizer, though, you know, that is a big tool. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I didn't have much confidence when I started in this business. I got a lot of rejection. My first agent, well, I when I started looking for work in the adult industry, everybody said, oh, you don't have an agent. You need an agent. Go see an agent, an agent, agent. So I did. And also because you could only contact so many people you didn't have like access to certain people's information to be able to contact them 
or get an interview whatsoever. So I said, okay, I'm going to go see an agent. I went to see an agent. And he said, you're too old. You're 26 years old. Oh, wow. And that was my first year in this business. I'm like, what do you mean you're too old? And then I, yeah. And he said, and your nose is too big. You definitely need a nose job too. So I did get a nose job. <laughs> That's the only thing I got done, but I did. And um, yes, this brought me confidence. But no, but I'm just saying, if you visualize something and you tell yourself, you have to be honest, okay? You cannot visualize things that are not really what you want. But if you tell yourself, okay, one day I'm going to go in Germany and I'm going to be in the pages of Marquee Magazine, which I have been buying in Hollywood on newsstands for the last 10 years. Guess what? You're going to make it happen. You're going to somehow get the courage to go in that direction. It might take a while. And that's what I always say to people, like visualize next month, visualize next year, visualize in five years. Like certain goals can be done in a short amount of time and certain goals take a long time. And you just, I am not a patient person, but you just have to keep believing every day. Keep believing. And there's going to be tough time in your life. I've had some really, really tough times. Uh, personally, I mean, certain things comes up sometimes and you don't expect it and you have to deal with them. For example, I lost my father last year. Mm. And that's tough that you don't want to work. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to be cheerful when these kind of things happen in your life. It's just, it's life. It happens. But again, you know, have a vision, believe in yourself, give yourself rest when you get burned out or when tough things come because, and, and I hear it all the time and I'm so happy there are people like pineapple support now who are helping people who need help. And I want performers to reach out to these different venues like if you need, a, you know, if you need a month off because you've just been working too hard, take it, uh, save your money. That's a big advice I've always given people, save your money because maybe you will need some time off or maybe you won't be feeling well or maybe you'll want to go back to school half time or whatever it is. Just uh, be smart with your money. And uh, yeah, have that vision, have that dream, because that dream will be your drive and you have little dreams and have big dreams. I have both. You've brought so many dreams to <laughs> so many people and to be able to hear from you that your dreams are coming true. And even though you've been in the business for a while, you're just getting started. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I don't know what's next. And it's okay. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. Yeah. I still say we're going to be talking about a book in a couple of years. All right. <laughs> <laughs> See, now you put something else in my brain. <laughs> Anastasia Pierce, it has been an absolute honor to have you on the show today. And mm -hmm. I look forward to staying in touch and seeing how this wonderful journey that you're embarking on goes. Thank you. I'm uh, Again, I'm available online for anybody who's interested in creating fetish content if you need help if you need advice i'm there i'm also planning on attending quite a few fetish events this year 
because I think it's really important for us to catch up face to face and not just on a computer. We all have our little bubble that we live in or that we produce. It's nice to get together and share, you know, good times and bad times. And uh, again, yes, we are competitive with each other, but there's enough room for everyone. And you'll do much, much better if you help one another. I mean, I've, I really don't have that many enemies in this business because I just don't see the point. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, be true to yourself, love yourself, have a vision and good luck to you. <laughs> I was so knocked out by her stories from her journey and I hope that Anastasia and I will get to meet soon. We have a project we're thinking about and I hope it comes true. If it does, We'll share it right here on the podcast. Next week, it's Chicago and St. Louis leather mistress Simone, who shares her story and even helps me with some thoughts about connection, femdom, and leather. It's a great conversation premiering next Tuesday on the show. Also, stay tuned for bonus interviews from my recent trip to Chicago and Kinky College coming up soon. I'm John, also known as Hi There, Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.